Okay, we, we are here uh, again. <laughs> um, can you please introduce yourself, Sarah? Hey, how you going? My name's Sarah. I'm a Bharati Kija woman uh, from Australia, and I'm really excited to be here today to talk to you on this podcast. It's been a while. Well, thank you for coming on. I, I've been trying to, <laughs> we've been trying to plan this for a while. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so can you, so, oh man, my phone. I'm sorry. <laughs> my phone rang, let me turn my ringer off. Um, can you talk about the, the indigenous history of Australia? Because I don't want to start it with, you know, the British colonization. You know, there was history, be obviously, uh, before that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I mean, I, I can't talk for, um, we, in, in Australia, well, the land that, which is now called Australia, uh, we had pre-colonization over 250 um, language groups or tribes or um, clans across this country um, and over 500 different um, dialects and languages. So it's a quite diverse. There's more nations in Australia than there are countries in the world. It's, it's hugely diverse. Um, and I don't think that's known widely um, in Australia, at least definitely not around the world. So we've been on this continent. I mean, white, white scientists have pegged it at around 70,000 years plus, 80,000 years plus, but there's um, evidence of fire stick farming in far North Queensland that goes back 120,000 years. So we've been here a pretty long time. Um, if you talk to mob or um, Aboriginal people, we say that life, the world began in the country now known as Australia, began here. We have always been here. Um, and we have this really rich um, cultural, linguistic um, connection to country, a really rich history, a, a history and a culture of excellence um, that's been going for generations and generations and generations. Um, there's a lot of um, misinformation, which is probably the same with you guys in America, that, uh, you know, we were savages and we were nomads and we just sort of wandered around eating berries and killing the odd kangaroo for meat, whereas we were actually quite a, uh, and we are still a sophisticated group of people. And um, I think that even, like, for example, we have um, evidence of fish farming, like fish traps, farming that go back um, 60,000 years um across the country so there's um evidence there's this book actually it's a really good book i don't know if you've read it um called dark emu have you heard of that there's an uh, australian author no yeah it's really good um if any of your sort of listeners want to hear you know read a little bit about the truth of how um life was like before white people came to australia um it is by bruce pascoe it's called dark emu and it and it takes a lot of the evidence out of actual white people settlers um, diaries from back in the day where they where they were helped across the country um, as they sort of colonized as they sort of spread out across the country they were helped by Aboriginal people um, and they saw evidence of like rolling plains and fields of grain and silos and houses made you know with mud and stuff rather than you know this image is always put through our education system that Aboriginal people lived in um, out, out in the scrub or, you know, in makeshift tents or we just were nomads. We were actually quite a sophisticated agricultural, in a white person's term, agricultural sort of um, group of people who use the environment and the, and the seasons to not only survive but thrive and uh, flourish and um, 
that's largely unknown, particularly if you look at our history of education. I'm in education space and teacher trained. And knowing just my education that I went through and my parents, people, white Australians in the larger population, including our people, um, were never taught this. And everything is filtered through this white lens. And we're told we tend to grow up thinking that we were, yeah, just nomads who who didn't have an organised group of, you know, didn't have religion, didn't have this, that and the other, which of course was used against us uh, when Australia was claimed as nobody here, Terra Nullius was taken under the doctrine of discovery and Terra Nullius and it's perpetuated the bullshit thing that we have ended up with today, I guess. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we were doing quite fine, I think, until um, we were colonised. I mean, we had trade with, so the, uh, we were talking brief, briefly before, before the British came, we there's um, evidence of trade, particularly up the north of Australia, um, the northern part of Australia. And if you have a look on a map, um, Asian countries are quite close, really, relatively to, to the northern part of Australia. And there's lots of evidence of um, trade between our two nations, between the two countries with um, food and shells. And um, so where I'm from, from the Kimberley, there's a lot of pearl, pearling, pearl shell stuff up there. Um, and there's evidence of pearling um, bits and pieces from long, long ago in Asia that we used as trade and vice versa for, um, found on the northern tips of Australia from Asian countries. So there's been trade for ages um, and we seem to get on okay with that and the need to colonise each other's country. But there, yeah, that's, a, that's how it sort of ended up, I guess. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, it's very interesting because, um, you know, here in the States, first off, we don't really learn Native history, you know, in our normal everyday education, you know. And I yeah, think, yeah. Um, you know, let alone history around the world. So, you know, um, I, I think the first time we met and you showed that video about um, the kids being taken away from their parents and taken to schools, yeah. I was like, man, that's the same shit we went through. <laughs> I just found it's it so insane. Yeah, it's so shocking how the uh, correlation of, of colonization happened. Very similar, you know, around the world. Not everybody has the same experience, but very similar, like, you know, children checking away. And I was just like uh, shocked by that video. Um, and I, yeah, you know, but don't you, go ahead. it's done exactly because it's such a, you know, if you're a colonizer, the best way to um, to get access to land, obviously, is to get get rid of the native people, the people who are attached to the land. And what better way to do that with organized religion and removing children? And I did, I actually didn't realize until we met as well to have having those conversations about how. And particularly with those different group of people around us and different um, Indigenous people from around the world, how similar, how similar our stories are. And not only, this is what annoys me so much about colonisation and, you know, particularly mission, missionaries and that, that kind of thing, by sort of moving in and doing it under the guise of doing something good for the greater good um, and how damaging it was. And I think about my family, so it's probably similar to... Uh, you know, to your family or families and friends over there, sort of taken. So my great-grandmother was um, lived out in the um, desert part of northern Western Australia and her father was a white policeman. Her, her mother was an Aboriginal woman. Um, 
and there were a lot because it was a frontier it was back in the frontier days there was a lot of rape of aboriginal women um as it generally is around the place that's another way of getting rid of um native people by obviously doing that war crime of of raping raping people anyway so she her she was taken and sent to um a town further north where she became a servant essentially an indentured servant so uh, she was only about eight, I think, by that stage. And then she, apparently she was a little bit naughty and so they had enough of her. So they set, put her on a ship and sent her to the mission, which was in the West um, Kimberley of Western Australia. And that's where not only did they break your connection to country, so she was no longer on her land, um, your connection to language, um, which in it, with that is culture as well. So you weren't allowed to speak your language anymore. You were flogged if you spoke your language. Um, but the third, the other, that what they did there was they separated you from your siblings and separated you from, if you were from the area, from any parent, you know, mother or father or aunt or uncle or anybody who was near you. Because one of the most, um, I think, insidious but effective ways of colonization, uh, which is I've only come to learn, I guess, as an adult, is breaking your um, ability to love and be loved. So having that connection to having that broken makes it really hard as an adult, as you can imagine, for them to show that to the, your next generation of like your children. So the, the missions and the missionaries did that very well in Australia. And we call the next generations after that um, from people taking away the stolen generations. Um, I don't know what it is uh, in the U S um, or in Canada, but we, um, we call those missions um, or reservations. I think you guys call them res schools. Is that right? Where they sort of sent kids to go to away from their parents and to be sort of indoctrinated yeah. or whatever. And yeah, res schools. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was kind of. I think it was similar to that. And you weren't allowed to see your parents, and you weren't allowed to do, do this, that, and the other. And so, as a result, so with my grandmother, um, she came out of came out of the mission space as well. And I just know, like, with I talk to other people, other Aboriginal families and stuff, and, um, and my mum loved us and her, my nan loved us, but it wasn't the same as I saw, like, what, like white families, um, you know, really kiss and hug and love, like, affectionate, be really affectionate to their children, whereas my mum wasn't like that. She no, obviously loved us, but it wasn't that you could see that it it wasn't a norm. It wasn't shown to her, which wasn't shown to her mother, which wasn't shown to her mother. Um, and so that, thank God, we, you know, we ended up okay. Us, you know, people might argue that I didn't turn out okay, but I think I turned out all right. Um, but, you know, that breaking of that relation and breaking of the ability to love and show love and be loved was a really fucking terrible thing that the, um, colonizers did and the missionaries did to us as indigenous people and that in turn with you know taking away from country and all the other stuff just gave them access to resources but yeah it's quite a very similar story I thought I was I was also shocked to understand how similar it was for you guys as it is for us over here yeah I, I agree and at first off that experience was good I think we had like 16 people and it was like uh, many different Native communities and it was uh, cool. We, hey, hey, yeah. do you remember? Do you remember when we talked? Because that's the shitty thing that's similar. But remember, we had that talk. I can't remember where we were. We're down in someone's, we're standing out in the open somewhere, and we had all of us standing around. Remember, we had that hairy man, that Bigfoot 
story. And yes. we're saying like, <laughs> and, we, and all of the native people, indigenous people, we all had a hairy man, Bigfoot, bloody story. That we, and you, everyone was claiming that that was their story. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. That, that was really cool. So there's yeah. good things. Like we have this amazing um, ability to, all of us have the amazing ability to tell story and have knowledge passed down through story. But the fact that all of us, like, so in Australia we have, like we're talking, it's called like the Bunyip or the Yeti or the Hairy Man story, like of the really open for your listeners who might not be native, they yeah. don't know. But we have, that sim- we have the similar story of like, the um, hairy man who will come and take away if you're naughty, if your kids, if you're a child and you're naughty, like it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is, it, I remember that conversation, and I think um, we had a, a, a one episode about little people. I think me and you had a had a yes. conversation. Yeah, a conversation about yes. that too. Yes, <laughs> about comparing. That's right. We have yeah, uh, yeah we have little that people here as yeah. well. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, I think. And it was a really good experience. I think we had a, a person from Bolivia there, too. So I That's think, nice. yeah, memories. <laughs> but, you know, to, <laughs> to move forward a little bit, um, I do want to talk about terminology because uh, there's mm. one thing that stood out when we met was, you know, in, in, the, in the U.S., sometimes we'll say, hey, I'm from so-and-so tribe, you know? But over yes. there, you guys say mob, you know, yeah, and I was like, yeah, go ahead. What is that? Yeah, no, it's, it's a funny thing, the terminology part. I think, I mean, in, a, in Australia, I guess but there's a few things with it. I'm a, quite a bit of a stickler for terminology, mainly because I think because I work in the education space and um, what teachers, and I work with um, training teachers and particularly teachers who want to, um, who teach, not only teach out Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids. I mean, we, we Indigenous people in Australia, we only make up about 4% of the population, right? So largely when teachers are teaching classrooms, they're teaching non-Aboriginal kids. So what they teach non-Aboriginal kids about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australia is super important to me and the terminology they use, because language has power, right? The terminology they use um, presents a, a picture of our people to the next generation of you know, politicians, police officers, nurses and other teachers and just general society who then make up the majority of the population who affect our lives as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So terminology is, you know, it's a baseline, but it's also a really important part of uh, my professional life and also something that's important to me. Um, So we don't really in Australia use, I mean, people do, older Aboriginal people use the term tribe. Um, We don't use it very much, mainly because it, gives us a bit of a throwback to the days of um, the protectionist acts. So back at, when Australia was colonised um, and sort of started with, we had these different eras of um, segregation, um, all these different sort of eras that went along with policy and practice from the government. And one of them was a protectionist era where the government put out policy that dictated and set up laws that sort of controlled the lives of Aboriginal people to the fact that you had to, um, so it was dependent on, it made it uh, determined where you could live, what you could do, what hours that you're allowed out in public, um, whether or not you could work, whether or not you could hang out with um, other Aboriginal people, whether you could hang out with white people, like it was, it was terrible. So to get an exemption from um, the 
Aborigines, the Aboriginal protection, the Aborigines Protectionist Acts, you had to, yeah, you had to apply for an exemption. We had to prove that you were um, worthy of being a white person um, and you wouldn't hang out with natives and you wouldn't do these, this, that and the other. Um, and if you got an exemption, then you were, so you had to d deny and deny your whole family in order to get a life out of the, out of the shit that had been created, right? But in those times, the language used were, uh, were words like Aborigines, um, natives, uh, tribes, um, those types of, kind of, we call it archaic here because they were, that was the terminology used in those documents. So we don't really use that anymore. And we sort of, I teach teachers to um, not use that kind of terminology because um, of the connections back to this really bad point in time for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in this country. So we don't really use that. Um, Aboriginal people among ourselves, we use the term mob, which is, which I guess is the same as a tribe. It's your mob. When you meet each other, we say, hey, hey, you know, how are you going? Normally the question is, first question you ask is, who's your mob? Which means, um, who are your tribes? Like, where are you from? So when I introduce myself, my mob are Bardi people, uh, for one, from my great-grandfather's side, and Gija from my great-grandmother's side, because then that can help people who, particularly other Indigenous people, um, you know, connect and figure out where you're from and, you know, place yourself within our connections, you know. Um, so I guess it's that for, for white people to say mob is not okay, um, really, because it's an Aboriginal English term and Aboriginal English is really only for Aboriginal people to speak. Um, white people would probably say um, language groups or um, cultural groups or, they might say clan, but that's kind of a bit of an archaic term as well. But yeah, we say mob. Who's your mob? Yeah. I, I'm just thinking. I hope my accent, my accent isn't too thick. I hope that no, makes sense. You're good. No, you're good. <laughs> no, I, I was thinking about that too because I had a uh, conversation with a friend of mine, and we were talking about how even in the US, the word tribe, native, and indigenous is way too pan. pan it, yes. it's it's very vague right like anybody yeah. can say that now like now there's people that say oh i'm a california native when they're just a white person that just grew up yes. in california so it's just like uh so i i like to you know i used to say who what tribe you from but now i i i i find myself right when i say hey what what community are you from you know yeah and yeah. I, and and then even so I don't like saying I'm indigenous. I, I like saying I'm Comanche. That's my that's my community, yes. right? So yeah. I think you know there's a there's a a lot of conversation with the native people, you know, indigenous people, whatever, uh, in the U.S. that are having these conversations because these terms are being taken over in a very bad way. I think, right? Oh, absolutely, I agree. Yeah. And same here. Like, I mean, we, I don't, I don't, I use the term indigenous. Um, I actually, I hate the term Indigenous, but I used it at university when I was typing because to type out Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, I used up too many words for my essays, so then I just used Indigenous. But Indigenous is like something that was, you know, their name's put on us, right? Like I'm not Indigenous. That's a white, some white person's, white people's term. They put on us to label us as other, you know, to place us somewhere. Same as Aboriginal. I'm not, you know, I'm not Aboriginal. I'm Bardi Gidja. That is what I am. That is who I am. That is my connection to country. That is a country where I'm from. They're the language groups who I'm from. If it makes it easier for white people because they want to talk, the pan-Indigenous thing, I 
pan identifying, I get that totally. I know that there are, you know, particularly in Australia, if we've got that many different nations here and they might need a collective description of our people, fine. I don't care, but I'm, I know myself that I'm, um, I'm Bharati Gidja. That's, that's who I am. So I try to, I try to do that as well. And I like mob. Mob's good because it comes from us. It's our word. It's an Aboriginal English word. We've decolonized standard Australian English and taken their words to give them meanings that belong to us. And they can't use that. They can say mob is in a mob of kangaroos, a collective um, description of kangaroos, but they, to use it for Aboriginal people is, is pretty racist. They can't, that's not for them. So that's cool for us. Yeah, I always find it weird when I see like uh, people in the US, they look at tattoos, it will say indigenous. I'm like, wouldn't you want your like what community <laughs> name, like like Comanche or Apache or you know like Yakima instead of like just just plain indigenous? I'm like, that's wait, do they do that? Oh yes, my god, that's it's weird. <laughs> it is. What's <laughs> a plant? Plants are ind- plants are indigenous. Like plants are indigenous, not people. Like you know what I mean? Like it's an indigenous, <laughs> it's an indigenous tree. It's a tree indigenous to the, it's not. Yeah, no, that's, that's weird. This is weird. I yeah. I just, yeah. people just like, like, like you said, pan and, and identifying. It's just like, uh, you know, but I, I want to move forward. <laughs> sure, uh, the, sure. the, next, the next question. So, um, I, you know, we talked about, you know, how the native people in Australia uh, obviously had trade and, you know, civilization, uh, before the British came over, and you know me with my American education, uh, when even when I was young, my understanding was that the British came and they used Australia as like I don't mm-hmm. know a, a prison or something. They they yeah, brought yeah. the bad people here to Australia, and those people started a country. They colonized Australia. To me, it's just absurd how the British were like. <laughs> Hey, this is like, uh, uh, you know, punishment to live in. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, can you talk yeah. about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, there's, um, well, the British. So the British didn't come first. I was talking. We we're talking a little bit before about the trade stuff, but and this is my bad take on history, and I'm trying to go back in time in my brain for when I was in school. But uh, coming from Western Australia, I think the Dutch came early and there's sort of evidence on the West Coast of the Dutch coming at a particular moment in time. There was some, some guy called Dirk Hartog, I think, who discovered, discovered, I'm using like finger quotey marks, discovered, um, like Christopher Columbus, discovered um, America. Um, so they, they did come and sort of come to uh, Australia and then leave again. But, yeah, the British... They wanted to establish a penal colony uh, here in Australia. So they sent out um, a whole heap of convicts um, and uh, rocked up um, in, uh, on the east coast of Australia and dis- and they used the doctrine of discovery to do that and they discovered uh, they colonised Australia under the um, guise of terra nullius, which is the land belonging to no one. So they determined that Australia, even though, they did, like I said before, had people here who had organised way of living, obviously um, maybe not religion as in crosses and churches, but, you know, spiritual beliefs, so a religion system. We definitely had law, um, a, a, a law, um, law of the land and law belonging to us, uh, but they decided that the law didn't belong to anyone anyway, so they took it over. Um, and then I think from that, so they sent out lots of really poor 
um, white criminals from uh, the UK. And I think that's where Australia's ridiculous entitled, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what you call it, but when you talk about, say, so we have this day. So you guys have, do you have like, what's the, Chris, is Christopher Columbus Day like the day that the America was discovered and everyone celebrates it? Is that what that day is called? Um, I don't think, well, today's quote unquote Columbus Day, Indigenous Peoples Day, you know, I don't ah, think okay, it's, yeah. it's the day that he discovered it. I just think there's a whole history of why there's a Columbus Day and how the Italians pushed for it. But yeah, oh, right. you know, I understand. Gross. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah we've got a similar thing here. So we've got this day, the 26th of January, which is called Australia Day. And it celebrates the day that Captain Cook came and discovered Australia. Right? Um, it's such bullshit. So that that day is like um, this huge day and we've been fighting for a while. Some people want to change the date to another day. Some people want to abolish it altogether. Um, some people want to keep it. And the white people who want to keep it there, they say things like, you know, we should be proud of our, you know, it's almost like they're proud to be ancestors of convicts who were hard, you know, hard done by the down, down on their luck people. They were convicts and they came to Australia and they survived the harsh lands and they grew up there. People are proud to be like eighth, ninth generation white Australians coming from the first fleet as convicts. And that's their, that's their pride. That's their Australian pride. I just do not get it. Why you'd be that proud to be an ancestors from colonizers. <laughs> I don't get it. So that's a, that's a huge thing in Australia. That's something that the little Aussie battler is a position that people are really, really proud of. Um, you see people here who get, I don't know if you've seen the Australian flag, but it's got like the Southern Cross stars on it. People get the Southern Cross tattooed on their body because they're so proud of being um, descendants of First Fleet colonisers. It's gross. It's, it's so gross. And there's huge debates around this country. When you have a look, if you go on social media and look at, um, you know, Indigenous um, Australian uh, Twitter Twitter feeds around the 26th of January. The two week, couple of weeks leading up to that date is absolutely horrific for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in this country. It is, I swear to God, it it is it is so shit. It's so shit, Rick. It's terrible. So yeah, sorry, I went off track. I forgot what we were talking about. But the the pride that a, a lot of um, white Australians have from being descendants you know from being the underdog like it's they're called to being the underdog right like people like to go root for the underdog you know go for the person who's the little little guy um and i think that mentality comes from australia being settled as a penal colony and those people making it up through the ranks um to be the successful nation that we are today i have a Whatever. question sure you don't mind um so in the U.S., we have very similar, obviously, you know, white Americans, you know, most Americans think they, you know, they, they wave the flag. They'll say, you know, I'm proud to be American. There's a whole fucking song about it. Right. Yeah, um, cool. But there's one thing they will say that like irks me is that will say we conquered you. Get over it. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm like, that here as well. Yeah. It's, it's, to me, it's just like. You know, like, do you want me to beat you up and then you get over it? <laughs> you know? I know it's so. It's, they have it here as well. They're like, um, they say, get over it, absolutely all the time. And so we have 
Um, so Australia Day, they're like, that was 200 and whatever. This was 250 years ago. Get over it. Um, the last, the effects are still today. It is ongoing. It hasn't stopped. Our people are jailed at the highest rate of incarceration in the world, in the world, in Western Australia. Our people are incarcerated at a higher rate than the peak time of apartheid in South Africa for black people. In the Northern Territory, the last time I looked at the statistics, every single juvenile child in detention in the Northern Territory in Australia is Indigenous, every single one, 100%. That is fucked. Yeah. Tell us to get get over it. It is still happening. Our children are removed now from their parents, from Aboriginal parents in this country at a higher rate than the removal time of what we are talking about earlier when kids were being removed from parents. Aboriginal parents back in the day. It's a disgrace. We've had, um, and I can't remember the number, and for any um, Australians listening, I apologise, um, our black deaths in custody, Aboriginal deaths in custody here, uh, I think in the last month there's been like eight, something ridiculous like that, deaths in custody from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in Australia. It is, it is a pandemic of itself here it is colonization is still active in our lives every single day and they tell us to get over it but then when we have we have a day um in okay i think it's april um called anzac day australian new zealand army corp it's like a military day when do they do this memorial dawn service and all white australians get up and we all put our hands on our chests and watch the sunrise and some bullshit bugle plays and everyone is very happy that you know we went and did something, lost lost the war in Turkey in Gallipoli how many years ago. Um, how about they get over that? They tell us to get over the colonisation that is still happening and they can't, um, they still carry on that much about their military stuff that happened 60, 70 years ago. And you say, oh, get over it. Why are you bothering celebrating or commemorating this sort of stuff? And you see they've, them sort of lose their shit over it. Don't you talk to us about this. This is about service to Australia and protecting our freedoms. And it's like, for Christ's sake, you know, pot kettle black. Anyway, it's just shits me. <laughs> yeah, it's funny Sorry. because in Texas, in Texas, you're, you're okay. In Texas, people are like, remember the Alamo. And it's just like, yeah. oh my God, like, <laughs> come on. Like, it's, yeah. But but they, they they won't get over that, you know. But they'll exactly. they'll, they'll tell you to get over it, you know. But yes. there's something I, I do have another question, real quick. Um, you said it. I, I asked you before the show, uh, and I forgot it, and then now I remembered. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know, you guys refer to you got yourselves as also as black is B L A K. Can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting, and I've been following it a little bit. I sort of only realised in the last um, maybe three or four years about the, and I'm probably going to ask you a question at the same time as we go back and forth through this. So we, we're called, um, here we call ourselves Blackfellas. So um, capital B, um, it used to be, what well, I think, I, and I can't remember the person's name who um, came up with the B-L-A-K to distinguish us from Black Americans type of thing, I think. Um, but we've always been called from the beginning of history of time, uh, history of colonisation here. Um, black fellas are the N-word. We're called very often the N-word. Um, then also Aborigines and then also, um, the, you know, those types of words. So we're sort of, whereas in for you guys, 
black people, I'm assuming are African-American people and native people are native people. So there's like two different kind of minority groups, whereas we sort of like mush together. We have the shitty part of being, it's not shitty, but you know, that it from being, um, especially dark skinned Aboriginal people in Australia have the, um, are much more likely to be sort of targeted in the street or in the shops or whatever from police or whatever else. I have a lighter skin privilege. If you looked at me, I'm racially ambiguous, Rick. So I'm not quite, you know, don't know what you are. Where are you from? No, where are you really from? Um, is the question that you get sort of asked often. So you, you have the dispossession from country, you have the dispossession from language, you have the dispossession from, um, you know, culture for a lot of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and stolen generations. But then you also have the black um, stuff as well. So it's it's a bit of a combination. And I find it really unusual when we're looking, when I'm sort of having, looking at different conversations online where black Americans get really cross with Aboriginal Australians for um, talking about our black experience. And it's also, it's, it's, it's a little, it's not the same. It has similarities, but it's, um, it's not the same. So there was one conversation online a while ago that talked um, about, that was a, a black American talking to um, a, in, an Indigenous Australian woman um, saying that, you know, you're, you, you're mixed. And we don't say that here also, so I don't know if that's a bit of a difference. So in Australia, you're either Aboriginal or you're not. So we don't have the percentage thing. Remember you guys telling me that you have like a card if you're native, you have to be a certain percent to be a to be um, recognised as. What's that? Uh, okay, so um, the card. Okay, good thing you brought this up. We do have blood quantum, which is like. Oh yes. Yeah, people have to know the history of blood quantum. You know, we had reservations, and then the government yes. wanted the reservation land, so they broke the, the reservations into allotments. So like 180 mm. acre allotments or 200 something. Um, I don't know the number. It, it, different allotments were different mm. you know, sizes in different places. And um, in order to get an allotment, you know, they had to take enrollment, like who's native here, who's going to get the land and, you know, blood quantum. So it's like, you know, this person is 100% native or, you know, yeah. this person, you know, 50% native. And then, uh, you know, early on, if you were under one quarter, you were native. Nowadays, um, you can be, you know, like just, you know, uh, uh, what's it, lineal descent, um, and uh, yep. you, just, you can be considered native. I believe in that, right? Um, so yep. it depends on the, on the quote unquote uh, tribe or the nation. That, yeah, that says right. the, the card is because it's not because blood quantum, the card is given. It's kind of like a citizenship card. So the the, the, ah, the, right the Native American uh, government gives their citizens citizenship cards, right? So yeah, I, yeah. I, I have a card that says, you know, I'm, I'm a citizen of the Comanche Nation, but it has nothing to do with blood quantum. I mean, in the, in, ah, Comanche, right. in Comanches, uh, uh, what, whatever, whatever your blood quantum is, everybody it's treated the same. It's, it's, yeah, in, right. our, it's, it's in our constitution. Right, it's the first that's, thing that yeah, comes right. up. Yeah, so that's really interesting. So yeah. for us here, we one of the policies that were back in the day, like back in um, the early days of white of colon of white settlement, um, was 
the um, so there's this guy in WA, A.O. Neville, who was like the protector of Aborigines. He was like one of the high up guys in government. And the one of the policies was to breed out to breed out the black essentially. So what black people uh, were encouraged to um, mix with white people, and, and the idea was eventually you'd breed out the black, and there'd be no Aboriginal people left. Um, that was the plan. Um, and so what ended up with being what they, what they failed to realize is that we st- even no matter what color we are we still have connection to country and connection to culture and still manage to maintain that over the years we're the longest living uh, continuous culture on the face of the of the earth um, we still have the connection to country and culture so we don't have um the blood quantum part we don't we don't do that um so that then going back to what I was saying before makes us a little bit different and it makes it hard to sort of explain this to people in different countries is when you have um, attacks I guess from black Americans saying you're mixed you're not even black whereas when we talk here um, I'm as black as my so my mother is darker skinned than I am but we're both Aboriginal you're either Aboriginal or you're not you're black or you're not Um, and that's hard to sort of navigate when we have all these we have different experiences um, of oppression or we have different experiences of being um, black or native depending on where we come from across around the world and our experiences of, of oppression in those places too and colonization in those places too um, but I was really interested in how when I came over to the US and I was asking you know I was talking about the media here in Australia and how shit it is in representing the really amazing stories of Aboriginal Australia and forever just telling the, you know, the terrible stories of of, of, of Aboriginal Australia and pitching us in this in, in this terrible light. And I can't remember who it was who said it to me. They said, oh, Sharon, at least you're on the news. There is nothing here on the news about Native Americans. There's nothing uh, on the news about Native people. Um, it's all, and sort of looking through, and they said to me, you know, when you think about racism in America, what do you think about? And I was like, oh, I guess, you know, um, police brutality against um, African-American people, um, you know, Martin Luther King type of stuff. Um, and I was quite, quite ashamed that I didn't actually know. I didn't, they were right. Like it, it was almost like you guys have um, been erased from like the uprising and the, the strength and stuff, the stories of strength and uprising that should be told. And the first time that I'd really seen it um, in the public was, um, the um, fight for that water pipeline um, against that pipeline that had uh, Standing Rock stuff. And that was the first time that I'd seen that. And I thought, what the, what the heck? <laughs> and, yeah, I felt really bad about that. So, anyway, I don't know where I was going with that. I also lost train of thought. But no, yes. I, I, do, I do have a comment and a question. Um, I think your, you know, your story about how they say, um, I think, what, what was it, breed the blackouts? Or what, what was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, very bleeding, like the blackout. That's similar to very similar to what they did here in the US with the blood quantum, right? So like oh, the yeah. moment you were less than one quarter native here and it was like, oh, you're not native no more. And then you know, um, you lost that bright that 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 label you know but yeah. it's, it's ironic because the white supremacist uh, ideology in the u.s is very different to towards black people the you know the the people that were brought yeah, here yeah. slaves they have you know our, our our 
what they did to natives was a subtractive uh, uh, genocide, yes. right? For them, yeah. they, they have that one blood rule. I mean, one drop, one drop rule. So they don't care how how much they you know this person breeds with white people. Like down it, a thousand generations from now, they were still considered black because they you know here in the U.S. they they want to preserve this purity of whiteness, right? Aryanness, whatever, whatever the stupid ideology yeah. is, you know. And I think um, that's what's different from you know the native. Uh, colonization within the black community you know um it's yeah, very different right. yeah but I, I agree that it's 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 not similar but it's still they're both e it's equally as disgusting you know so, <laughs> yeah yeah it's gross i mean yeah it's it's not great but, you know we've we've got we're still here we're still here we we are strong peoples we have you know i saw amazing um amazing culture and connection and strengths from the um native mob that i met when i came over and we caught up in america like that was that was great they gave me a fire in my belly to know that there are other indigenous people around the world who are still um not only you know like i said before surviving but are thriving and kicking ass and despite um the shit that we have to deal with on a daily basis um, and doing it really well and, and pushing back against a system that's intent on destroying us. Um, and it's, you know, helps you to know that there's other people on the other side of the world going through the same stuff and are still um, coming out the other side. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. It was a really good experience when I, when I met you. I think, um, you know, I think it opened my eyes, obviously, especially with your presentation. And I think, um, this is why I talk about in the podcast, you know, I want to do a little like a little plug, you know, um, even like mm -hmm. when I do my Chinese history with Carl mm -hmm. and people ask me, why are you doing Chinese history in a native podcast? That's kind of weird. But no, but, you know, people really know the history of colonization. A lot of it is like connected, you know, the, the methods mm -hmm. and the, the, the history of colonization of China is tied into the history of the colonization in, in the US with money and the players involved, you know, and people don't know this stuff, right? So yeah. I, I try to bring these perspectives and because decolonization, in my point of view, is not like only a US thing or only, you know, mm. a, a, it's not only a, a Canada thing or North America, it's a global thing. Australia as oh well. My gosh, you know? yeah. So I think, absolutely. I think, you know, we have to know each other's struggles to have solidarity and if we don't know each other's struggles we just we don't have solidarity and then we're all over the place you know absolutely i think it's a good thing and also sharing the things that work and the success the successes that happen as well you know i think understanding for me i think understanding that theft of land it all boils down to theft of land and resources like to for for the expansion of the West to survive, they have to take more than what they take more than what they need. Like it's continual taking out of finite resources to build an empire, right? So to come to Australia or to go to America or wherever it was to and to extract those resources, you need to get rid of the people who are the most protectors of those resources, which is us. 
Indigenous people. So in order to do that, all the different ways in which to um, get rid of us through health, you know, here they put smallpox on the blankets, they um, starved us, they put us into missions, they tried, tried and failed to take our language, take our children, take our culture, and they failed. So we still, you know, it's all it's all for access to land. And so we just have to keep continuing to resist and continuing to fight. Some of us fight them, um, you know, at their own table. Some of us try to burn down that table. Some of us try to, you know, maybe separate and go out on country where there are no, hardly any white people and try to live a life um, separate from that as much as possible. I mean, we're all trying lots of different ways to... Um, protect which is kind of annoying like to protect earth not just protect country not just for us but in the end it protects it for everybody which i think that's the most annoying thing about the ongoing colonization of this country is that if white people realize that what is happening if the if i was just talking about this this morning if people realize that by by ensuring that indigenous people have the rights that we're inherently um deserve and which which we should have and where um you know that belong to us it actually makes you know rights to care for country rights to care for our culture rights to care for our children rights to live in a life that we deserve because we were here first and this is our land but that's actually better for everyone like that would enable everybody to thrive but because you know capitalism and whiteness is so pervasive and greed all those things are, are powerful forces. They just can't see through that. I think it's a, bit, it's a little bit sort of, I don't know, dis- disappointing to sort of minimalise it. Yeah, I sometimes, you know, so lay in bed and think, imagine if um, they could see what we, we could see and see a future that was Indigenous and how much better that would be for everyone. But, hey, I don't know, wishful thinking, huh? Yeah. You know, I do want to make a comment, a comparison. We also had, you know, the settlers... Um, gave us blankets with smallpox. <laughs> oh, I, it, was, hey. it was ironic. It's like, I don't know, like how many years ago, but I, I saw, I heard the first uh, situation where they start, they started to, to deny it, right? Like, oh, yes, that, they said that here too. Oh my God. I was just like, come on, guys. Like, you guys are admitted for all, like hundreds of years and now you're like denying it. There's no proof. It's just like, oh, come on, stop. You know, you know, it's, it's they, used true. To, they used to give they used to give us rations of sugar and flour and tea, and they used to poison the flour to kill us. They That's they would crazy. poison water holes. They would poison water holes so that um you could so to poison Aboriginal people around who would use that as a drinking source, a water source. Yeah, totally. That I don't know if you know, but in Australia there were actually huge. But we talk about so in Australia we talk about um the wars that Australia went off and fought. In other countries and you know have that anzac day that you know military day where you respect the fallen soldiers australia had huge amounts of massacres where of aboriginal aboriginal people indigenous people in the country where they went out and killed women and children they used to this is trigger warning for you listeners they used to do terrible things to uh aboriginal children like i don't want to talk about like really killed so many women and children and aboriginal men shackled them they would take aboriginal people from country so where where my country is from in the northern australia is two and a half thousand kilometers to the city down south they would walk they would 
gang chain Aboriginal men together and walk them down to Perth. So, and the climate change is different. It'd be like from moving from like um, Albuquerque to like California. So, I don't even know where those are. Actually, it's really bad. I'm geographically challenged, but from really warm <laughs> tropical country down to like cold, cold weather. And these Kimberley men were, you know, only had like probably naked like pants on, and that was it. And we'll walk them down out of country for nothing. The frontier wars are a hugely underrepresented and under-discussed part of Australia's history, which is not black, you know, black Australian history. It is white history, and that's how it should be framed. That is their history. It's what they did to us, and it's not. It's not taught. It's not talked about. It's not discussed, um, and it's huge. There's not commemoration of that kind of thing in this country. But we'll go out and commemorate Australia losing in a war that we fought with other white people in another country so far away from us who nobody gives a sh- nobody gave a shit about Australia. So yeah, it's um it's a very uh it's a thing that needs to be spoken about, frontier war. So that's something yeah. if people want to look it up, that's a really interesting part of our, our history. It's a terrible part of our history. So I have a question. Um so mm-hmm. do you you know do mobs there have like governments? And like programs mm. for like language preservation or or anything like that. Um, no, we don't. There's a huge movement in the country at the moment for treaty. We don't have treaties here. We're the only colonized nation that has not got treaty. Never had treaty. Um, government, federal government, and state governments are like white governments. Um, there are little pockets of um, so language uh, language and cultural centres around the country that are generally um, funded through government funding. Um, there has been a movement to um, to start treaty processes in Victoria, and I believe there's something happening in Queensland around that. Um, there's different movements. There's a, a movement at the moment called um, the Uluru Statement from the Heart, uh, which is to have a um, Oh, gosh, I've gone ahead of blank. So there's, like, different movements around the place. Um, treaty, um, having a, a body that advises government or advises parliament, I can't remember which one. There's um, other movements where you have native title claims where you can um, you get a 99-year lease. So from the government, they lease back your land uh, to you and you have 99 years, which you can prove that you have connection to that country. So there's all these different sort of government-controlled ways of having access to your land um, and to help regenerate um, language revival. There's lots of, um, there's some really good um, organisations who uh, who sort of connect with ling- uh, linguists and Aboriginal communities to create uh, dictionaries for language. So then there's, it's kept and it's, it's, it doesn't disappear if all the old people who speak the language um, pass away and it, you know, it's, it's recorded. Um, but that, yeah, no, we don't have our own or our own um, tribal governments or anything like that yet. I think there's movement towards that. There's a little bit of a groundswell, but it's it's quite fragmented, which is um, which is understandable when you have 250 different nations um, around the country. So, yeah, I think the Victorian thing will be something really interesting to follow the Victorian treaty process um, because that will be its own group trying to establish a treaty with that government and will be the first I think of its kind in the country. Wait, what year did the British come to Australia? 
1788. I just find it weird that they did treaties with native people here in, in the you know in the US and Canada, but they didn't do it with Australia. Like, you know, maybe yeah. they thought, hey, I'm not gonna, we're gonna not gonna do it here, you know. It's just, no, that's it. They they did it on purpose so that they could take it. They could wild. take the land with not having to do anything. With not because they that's why they did they uh, determined that there was no no one well, not that no one was here, but the people here were essentially not human. Like we weren't we weren't a civilized society because we didn't have agriculture, I'm doing quote unquote, like, um, so that they could just take it. Yeah, it's bullshit, absolute bullshit. And there's obviously a whole 250 different nations here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have we have uh, 574 just in the US, right? Amazing. So it's just, yeah, it's wild, it's a lot. And that's just the federally recognized ones, their state too, and there's a whole conversation about that. Um, it's it's i don't know if you want to talk about because i know it's not australia but there's like people talk about new zealand new zealand a lot you know about how yeah they they the, the indigenous people quote unquote you know like uh you know are, are taking over i don't know if you, if, if you guys you guys are so close to each other like that is there dialogue mm -hmm. about that or if the indigenous people to new zealand are Taking over where Australia? No, not taking. No, not taking it over. Oh. <laughs> about like you know, like kind of like sharing ideas how to. Hey guys, we uh, can help. I don't know if there's. Yeah, there's there's quite a good connection I think between um, Maori people in New Zealand and um, different Aboriginal groups in um, Australia. Um, one of the things that kind of irks me though, and this is not to do with um, Indigenous New Zealand people, it's more to do with white Australians and their and their what's the word so what happens is that so when we have say sporting events and stuff like that um particularly if australia plays new zealand the maoris will come here and they do their haka so you would have heard the haka it's like that war dance they do for ceremony and stuff like that so i'm a big rugby fan so when you have rugby games between australia and new zealand and if it's in australia wherever it is they do that and australians love it they love they love natives when you're not combative. They love the dance. They love the art. They love the, you know, that kind of language. I, I hear people say, and you hear the national anthem, New Zealand national anthem, it has Maori language for the first part of it. And white Australians love it. They're like, why can't we have that here? There is so, it is so, the context is so different from Australia to New Zealand. But as white Australians seem so much more acceptive or accepting of Maori culture and language and they are of the, the people in their own country it's so freaking bizarre and it's infuriating so you know some of the reasons why we don't have a national anthem mind you national anthem is bullshit anyway and no you shouldn't be able to sing it in language but still um you can't because what language are you going to sing it in we don't have a one language like new zealand does we don't have a one war dance quote unquote like new zealand does we don't we have too many different, not, we have lots of different nations. We have lots of different languages, lots of, with their own different cultures and beliefs and spiritual beliefs. Um, but it's, you can't do that. So, and I think white Australia finds that the um, not being able to homogenize us into, that's why they like Indigenous because it puts, it's easier for them because they can just put us into one bucket. Um, not being able to do that puts us in a, as like maybe the difficult native basket. and. Um, They'd rather, yeah, they'd rather us be a nice, tight one group of people to um, 
palatable group of people to uh, understand and appreciate and, you know, that's easier that way. Well, we're not like that. So it kind of annoys me. And that's not that's not the, a Maori, Maori problem. That's a white Australia problem, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I think in the US, they, uh, a lot of natives talk about this too. There's like, uh, you know, you know, white people like natives that are, you know, praying or dancing, you know, performing for them, you know, in the It's moment. like that Johnny Depp thing. It's like that Johnny Depp stupid perfume thing. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they just wait, like. Wait, do you want to talk about that? Because <laughs> oh, we can talk that, about that. That, <laughs> that was fucking disgusting that was terrible i remember seeing it you and me were on social media going what the heck me, is this yeah. you and i were were pretty like the message <laughs> our conversation together was was wild <laughs> but i think what the heck and they, they oh just like gosh. to mush they just like the pretty like they just mush everything together and think that you come up with this you know idea of what it is to be an aboriginal australian or a native american it's the same thing like here if you so i work in the education system and schools schools would like to say have somebody come in and play the didgeridoo so which is uh i don't even know if that's an aboriginal word but in northern territory it's called yadaki which is a didgeridoo right and not firstly not understanding that, that i've seen teachers get little white kids to pretend to make one out of cardboard little girls playing it which in traditionally women aren't supposed to touch it let alone play it you know put random dot painting and stuff on it and think that they're doing something that is culturally you know that is okay they're teaching about stuff it is such a pan pretend i i just i can't even have the words because it makes me so wild and they and (laughs) yes i was gonna say that like that it's rubbish and it's all just for um i don't even know what they get out of it i think it's just the nice nicety of you know the spiritual the white hippie thing is a really big thing here as well where people like to sort of you know align their chakras and get that native indigenous spirituality thing and think that you can just get it by plucking these little bits of um indigenous spirituality from around australia i'm sure it happens i know that it happens in america because we get people i've you should see how many markets and fates i've gone to and yelled at white australians for making dream catches here because they think that it's something that's spiritual it's like you're from outback australia what the fuck would you know about <laughs> what about um culture in america or what that actually means anyway sorry i've gone on tangent it makes me so angry <laughs> no i agree i think you know i was you know um you know, before you know, we we went into this you know thing. I do want to address some stuff you said. Um, okay. You know, whenever like you know, white people like the performing native, but they don't like the native yes. that brings up the political stuff, right? And then mm. when it comes to the Johnny Depp stuff, me and you, I don't want to say names. We know, we personally know the people behind that commercial, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, me, me, and you were so mad. We we're like, we know these people what the fuck and why did they do this and they're native people by the way right and yeah. i was just like oh man and i was told don't fuck with them or they're going to end you that was just like but they are promoting pan indigenous garbage <gasps> right and but they you know of course they're like um 
I would say, you know, like a nonprofit, you know, nonprofits in the U.S. have power. And I was just like, uh, you know, it's, it's you so know what's hard. disappointing. It's, it's like it's a teaching moment, though. Like there's an opportunity there. Somebody's coming to ask the information around how to do something. You could, you could rather than allowing the falsification, I don't know as a word, allowing the perpetuation of a stereotype to continue out in the fucking public with a massive perfume organisation, they could have done something. And this happens, this is not just them. This is, this is indicative of so many different things around, definitely in Australia, I would say across America when it comes to Indigenous stuff. You have an opportunity to teach somebody something so then it's not perpetuated and you stop the cycle of this stereotypical pan-Indigenous bullshit and actually say, no, that is not from, if you would like to talk to people from this area who can give you this representation of this, whatever, you need to speak to these particular elders, this is a particular ceremony that is for this particular reason, blah, 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 do the right protocols and go through a process and actually come out with something that is not only authentic, but is teaching and giving the right message to consumers of this product, you might actually do some good. But no, you want to bullshit and just um, pander to the, what white people want for the sake of money, I just feel like it's such a shame. And as an educator, I feel like, you know, we have an obligation, not even as an educator, as Indigenous people, we have an obligation to our old people, old people of the past and our elders and our future generations to do something about this fucking bullshit that keeps getting spewed out about us. Like it makes me really cross. I agree. And I, I guess I talk about this a lot about the pan-Indigenous you know nonsense and you know um misappropriation race shifting you know and a lot of the episodes on this podcast are about this topic <laughs> you know and people get yeah. mad yeah i think this last week uh people try to cancel me because i i wasn't accepting at you know because of their nonsense rhetoric i, I don't care like you can talk to me about I, I, it but you know it's nonsense. i get that i get i get that people particularly so in australia there's particularly stolen generations who are removed from culture and removed from connection to community and maybe connection to their um, tribe, I understand that there is a longing to reconnect. Like I, I, there is no, there is, my heart is open to people like that. And I, I would always be there to have conversations with and, you know, talk to people who come from that sort of space. Um, at the same time, if you are from that space, there's a lot of work that you have to do. And by pan indigenizing yourself, you you do yourself a disservice. Like you you have to go and connect back to from the little bits of knowledge that you have, grow that by connecting with the people and your community and being able to um, you know, make connections where you can and they will grow as you sort of develop a lot come go through the years. Um by just I don't know, by pan-indigenizing yourself or to just chuck label yourself as Indigenous or um, without being... So one of the things here, I think you're doing a disservice to yourself and disservice to your people. So one of the things here, how we identify as Indigenous is one of the parts of that is to um, not only do you have to have a be a descendant uh, of Aboriginal people, you have to... Um, I can't remember what they are. You have to... Um, be accepted from by by your community. So your community have to recognise you. So that that takes work. You don't just get to say I'm, you know, whatever I'm Comanche, and then nobody from the Comanche Nation knows anything about you. Your your nation has to um, recognise you and accept you as part of that community in order for you to be 
you know, to be able to call yourself that. Um, and I think that's a really important, that's hard work. And, but that's okay. Like people have to understand that, that that's okay. You can, you, you're on a journey and you, you need to work in that. Uh, what really irks me is when those people then take up positions in powerful positions in government or powerful positions in, you know, companies or high paid positions. Um, because academia. they discovered last, yeah, they academia, They discovered last week they were Aboriginal of some kind. Somewhere down the track, their great 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 grandfather said on his deathbed that um, he was Aboriginal. So all of a sudden they are. Now that that irks me. That, that is that me too. You know, people there's like, oh, you know, uh, I found an ancestor in 1790, 1805. Like, you know, and I, now, now I'm in, now. I'm Indigenous, or I took a DNA test, an ancestor. Oh, I'm indigenous now. And then they, 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 they try to cancel me with slander. I'm like, yo. And they were like, oh, Rick wasn't raised around Comanche. Yeah, but I knew it was Comanche. There's family issues I yeah. have. You know, but it's, yeah. it's even with my mom's side. I'm, I'm native there. Like, it's, I, I've yep. known this. It's, it's, it's not new for me. It's never been new, you know. And I think. Yeah, exactly. And people, I think there's a culture. Um, if you don't mind me, like, ranting for two minutes, right? No, I got it. There, there's a culture within like uh, settlers, white people, that is like very like saviorisms, right? Very individualistic mm. um, uh, uh, attitudes. Like we had global, global I hate this word, globalization, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that was brought by colonization, you know, and capitalism, but now there's nowhere to go, you know? So now they have the mm. go, people are going kind of backwards with this ancestry test, like, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, 34% Italian. I didn't even knew this, you know? They start, they're trying to find their, their history when, you know, uh, uh, colonization and capitalism have stripped them from that. Nationalism has stripped them from that, yes. right? Yes. And then now they're trying to take up these spaces from, it's not just Native people dealing with this. Black people are dealing with this too. Like Black people in the U.S., African Americans, yes. you know? With racial dolezal and Jessica Krug that claim to be oh. black, and they're not. Oh my god! Like, so, so it's this thing now that people, you know, and at the same time, everybody wants to be famous. Like, there's like this celebrity celebrity culture in, in you know in in the West where people have to be famous. They want to be famous. They want this as, to be accepted by society, you know. And I, I'll tell you, my podcast is not that big, but I don't like. I don't like the celebrity stuff. I don't like people even looking at me because I used to write for a newspaper and people came up to oh, me. Yeah. People used to come up to me and be like, hey, I read your piece. You know, like your piece that, that, that wrote the story. And I was like, I don't even know you. Like you're coming up to me randomly in the streets is scary to me, right? Yeah. So I, I quit. I quit that because I was like, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to, you know, it's me. I, I don't like that me paint, being painted is like, oh, you know, this like celebrity thing. So I was like, no. Uh, this is why I don't post pictures of myself on the podcast because I don't want to be some like celebrity or influencer. I just want to bring informational content. The end, you know, it's not about mm-hmm. me. It's about the issues, you know? And I think, um, you know, it's really disgusting that the people are, are you know, it, part of it too. I think that people are trying to find community because in, in, yes. in in, you know, colonization and capitalism, there is no community. Everything is hyper individualistic. So, like, but this is, these are the wrong ways of doing it. You know, you can't do 100%. it these ways. And I think, and I, I talk about this stuff, and then I get, I get, you know, slandered and try to get canceled. And people don't understand it. They just, you know, people 
hype up. You know, it's like people hype up other people, go attack that podcast. And the people that attack me don't even know why they're attacking me. I, today I read like this like post and I was like, I finally read it, you know, it was like from last week. And I was like, everything this person saying, I've said for years, right? Yeah. It's obvious this, this person didn't read the podcast. I mean, let me read, I mean, listen to the podcast because if he yeah. listened to it, he would have made the, all those accusations about what I said, yeah. you know? Uh, and, and, you know, but people, they, this, this weird culture, you know, the Western culture, you know, like similar culture is the most disgusting, toxic thing in the first place, you know, that's my opinion. And rant. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm done. laughs> yeah, well, I think so. Like, there's a there's a very big difference. So in Australia, we call it, it's called lateral violence when Aboriginal people, well, I don't call it lateral violence, but that's what it's called, uh, when Aboriginal people and other Aboriginal people, um, say, argue against something or call each other out, right? There was amazing... Um, talk I listened to the other day webinar um with uh, Dr Chelsea Watego and she, god she's amazing she's like a goddess who an amazing staunch black woman in Australia indigenous woman who is just amazing I'm a total fangirl of hers and she was talking about um it's holding holding others like like you were just doing then talking about that person um to to account is not lateral violence that is that is um being able to critique one another and giving each other truth um, is so important and it's actually an act of love and it's something that we should do as in, as Indigenous people, not just sit there and try and, you know, slander or cancel out because something was said that you don't agree with or that you, you know, don't like being called out as pan-Indigenous or whatever it is. Maybe they just, maybe people need to stop thinking about themselves in that individual way and more as part of, you know, the bigger picture of who we are as Indigenous people and uh, listen and take it as an act of love, as what it's designed to be given as. It's, um, yeah, that, that annoys me. That lateral violence thing really annoys me. Yeah, I don't you agree gotta be with You've got to be able to talk. Yeah, I don't, I don't, um, I hate that term too because, you know, uh, people will say, you know, how do you compare some somebody as latter to you if they're not native? If I don't consider them native, or they say like racist shit to you, you know, <laughs> and it's like, oh, you're what you're saying is lateral violence. It's like I, just you're right. Critiques itself, you know. We should yeah. be able to critique. That is not lateral violence. That's me giving you no. an observational, scientific, indigenous, native, whatever, Comanche critique of systemic issues. Right. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's the other thing when people are like, oh, you know, Aboriginal people, it's like, I wrote about this ages ago. It's like crabs in the bucket pulling each other down. And I, I remember writing at the time saying, uh, have a little think about it. Crabs in a bucket. Crabs don't belong in a bucket. Crabs belong in mangroves on the, in the ocean. They do not, who, who made the bucket? Who put us in the bucket? That is what we should be looking at. And we're too distracted by you know they're pulling each other down people are distracted by the pulling each other down part i'm more interested in who put us in the freaking bucket to begin with but yeah no, i agree <laughs> Sorry, with you. I'm I, ranting I, to you now no I, I i agree with you because i remember that post you made i remember that no. yeah and i i follow your stuff because i think you, you do make amazing stuff you know so i you know amazing perspective so i'm like yeah i remember that post uh i do want to thank you for coming on and if you want to yes. um I don't give shout outs or you want to like, uh, you know, 
talk about anything else before we get off. I don't want to just cut you off, you know, but um, it's up to you. No, it's been great. It's really nice to catch up with you and get to talk to you on your podcast. We've been trying to do it for ages and we just haven't. Yeah. <laughs> life, life has gotten in the way. So it's nice to finally um, get to have a talk about some important things um, and similarities across, you know, not only similarities in struggle, but similarities in fucking strength. I love it. I think it's great. Yeah, I, I agree with you.